one of the dangers of like having to talk every week is that there's sometimes that I think, man, that would be a great story to kind of illustrate. And then I think, I don't know if I've told that story or not. So I actually, I, I sent a, a Facebook message to several students and a couple of people in parenting classes. Have I ever told the story? And, and the response was like, we're not, we're not sure. So I thought, well, I'm going to share it with you anyway. A couple of years ago, it was maybe two Amanda and I, Amanda's my wife, we decided uh, we were going to take a three or four day vacation, but we were going to do something that we had talked about that we had never done before. We were just going to get into a car and drive uh, with with no destination in mind. We're going to drive and we're going to get to an intersection and go right or left, which way do you want to go? And have, you know, two or three, four days with no agenda. And so we did, and we, we, we got in the car, and we, we headed out towards Liberty Hill, and we went down through Oatmeal, Texas, uh, which is, that, that's cool. Um, and, and, and it was kind of left, right, let's go this way. And along the way, you ever drive past those historical markers? You know, historical I'm not necessarily a history buff, but I love Texas, but what are those for? I mean, I, every time I drive past one, I'm going somewhere. I'm in a hurry. We thought, we have nothing. So we stopped at every one and got out and, and read it and saw what happened in Texas at one point, just with nothing, nothing to do. And so as it started to get closer to evening and we didn't want to sleep in the car, um, that would have been uncomfortable. We had to get closer to town. We just so, ha- so happened to be right around near Fredericksburg. We weren't like, we didn't plan to go that way. It's just, hey, we're there. And so it's starting to get dark, and I said, well, let's just, let's call it night here. So we did, we pulled in, and, and that's when the, the plan started to unravel. Because on a, I don't know, a Friday night maybe in Fredericksburg in the spring, if you're not planned, there's not a lot of places to stay other than your car. And so, like, we pull into a hotel, we'll check this out, and I walk in, and, and it, it's like a Holiday Inn, and the guy's like, it's $185 a night. And I'm, no, it's not. Um, there's no way. And, and, and so we start, I get on, we're sitting in the parking lot of a hotel because this is true romance, like searching hotel prices, you know, like calling all booked, calling all booked, you know, bed and breakfast. Oh man, that's expensive. And so we ended up finally finding a hotel that kind of fit into our price range and, and, and stayed there. Now, my point is this, any other time that I travel, if I go to Dallas for a conference or I'm going wherever, I'm doing research ahead of time. I'm looking for a place to stay. Uh, if I'm going on a vacation, I'm looking at what all the things that you can do around there. And I'm trying to make one of the, things, the most financially responsible decisions, right? So that I don't have this super overpriced hotel. But when you don't know where you're going and you just show up accidentally, it can get real expensive real fast. As we talk about this journey, the thing I want us to really lean in with our, our students this week is this. Knowing where you're going makes all the difference in the world. When you know what the end game is, when you know the final spot, the final destination, that changes everything. You're you're able to do things wiser. You're able to do things smarter. You're able to do things more efficient. Take a a teenager, for example. Your student, if if they go, hey, I feel like God's calling me to be a doctor. And and you've talked with them through that and and you've processed it. And they go, hey, that's kind of, as a career, that's where I'm gonna end up. When they know that, it allows them to make decisions along the way. So it helps them determine what, what college they're gonna aim for. It helps them determine, even in high school, what classes they have. Isn't it like, like, remember when we were in high school? Like electives, we got to choose like art and music, you know, and that was it, you know. Now they get like, they can like, I know in Georgetown, they used to be able to at least like learn how to fly airplanes. And you know, I mean, it's crazy things like forensics. I'm like, wait, I didn't know what forensics was in high school. Uh, you know, they have all these options. So if they're thinking, 
I want to be a doctor, even in high school, they can start crafting and making some decisions based on that within their high school classes. It makes all the difference in the world. For me, I struggle sometimes when I talk with our juniors and seniors and they start talking about college and, hey, how do I determine where God is calling me? I want to be in the right spot. And what happened for you? And I always tell them, you don't want, it, you don't, you don't want my story. Because when I was in between my junior and senior year, I felt, I felt God calling me into, into youth ministry. Um, and so I, just, I remember at camp, late, got down on my knees one day and I said, God, if, if ministry is where you call me, I'm in. I don't know what that looks like. I don't want to know what that means. I love hanging out as a high school, even with our junior hires and, and encouraging them, love them. So youth ministry is all I know. So God, I'm going to go that direction. If that's not it, you change it. And now I'm nearly 40 and he hasn't changed it yet. It's still here. But when I started doing that, started praying, I knew because of what, what the end was for me, I knew that Howard Payne, I just happened to wear my Howard Payne shirt. Not on, yeah, I did this on purpose. It's, a, it's an illustration for the lesson. Uh, I knew that Howard Payne had the youth ministry degree in Texas. I mean, that, that was where you go. I started praying about that. And, and very quickly, God went, that's where you need to go. I didn't step foot on campus. For the, the first time I stepped foot on campus was a week before school started. I just knew. I, I knew that that's where I, I knew what God had called me to do. And he made it very clear where I was going to go. Bang, 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 real quick. And it made all the difference. I didn't go through all that struggle. And so sometimes I, have a, I feel bad with, our, you know, upperclassmen who are like, I've got like nine universities I'm choosing from. And I'm like, oh, I didn't, didn't have that option. Um, God just made it clear. But knowing where I was going made all the difference. People that you, that you work with, and maybe your neighbors, and maybe they're not believers, or maybe some of them that are. Some of our struggle in life is what's my purpose? That's what people, why, why do I exist? Why am I on this planet? Not vocational. Why am I even here? And when you understand what happens at the end, it helps you unpack why I'm here. And it's not just in career and it's not just in purpose. You understand this in just other areas of life. When you know how something is going to end, it helps you make decisions. I, my car uh, is up and running. It's, it's been having some issues for a while. Um, part of you guys helped with that Christmas gift stuff, getting that thing right. But I got in the car the other day and it wouldn't start. I mean, it wouldn't turn over, did nothing. Couldn't get it. it was, I knew it wasn't battery because it had some problems. So I had to tow it to the shop. And so they towed it. They exchanged out the ignition switch and they got it all squared away. They said, we think this is it. Uh, we're not absolutely positive, but it's working. So we, we don't know what else to check. So I said, great, got the car, drove it for another week and a half, maybe two weeks. And next thing I know, it's in my driveway, dead, won't start. Tow it again, drop it off on a Wednesday and the weekend comes, I still haven't heard from them. And on Monday I call and I go, hey, I'm Red Trailblazer still there? You know what I mean? And they go, yeah, and they said, we, we don't have a clue of what's wrong with it. We, we cannot figure this thing out. We're scratching our heads. Tuesday kind of went by. So I went and um, actually started kind of test driving some cars because I thought, well, maybe this thing is just going to be a, a junk metal. I don't know. And I was hoping not because I just put some money into it to, to get new spark plugs and get it all, you know, ready for the second half of its life. And um, I started like, test driving some cars. Wednesday comes, Thursday comes, check back. We're, we're trying to figure it out. And so I'm at this point where I'm like, okay, do I just buy this car, you know, the, the, this new to me car, or do I hold out and put more money into this thing that I don't know? And it was this struggle. You know what I wanted? You know, you've been there. I wanted God to speak and go, the car's done. That's it. It's over. Then I make, okay, easy. God, I understand. Then I'm going to go get this. Or I wanted God to say, your car is going to be fine. They're going to figure it out. Don't go buy a new car and then have this one that you just put money into and it's worth. If, if I knew 
It makes life so much easier, right? When I know the end. And uh, in the end, in case you're wondering, it, it got fixed and it's ready to go. So it's got another, you know, hopefully five, six more years. Uh, but ask me about that next Sunday and I'll let you know if we're still on, on pace for that. <laughs> Knowing the end makes all the difference. Well, I want you to turn to the book of Luke because we're going to look at uh, a picture of what Jesus, I'm sorry, the book of John. We're going to look at the picture of what Jesus said the end could hold. John chapter 14. I'll give you a second to get there because some of you might be on a phone or you need to flip over to it because I would really love for you to read it with me rather than just trust what I have to say because like I said, my brain's almost mush. John chapter 14, verse one. This is what Jesus says. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, uh, no. He says, Lord, we, don't, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus has gathered his disciples around and, and he says to me, he says, hey, let not your heart be troubled. He says, hey, take, take the biggest worry you have right now, not to his disciples, to you, you. Take the biggest worry you have in your life right now. Think of the biggest struggle that you have in front of you. For some of you, it pops to your mind because you've been dwelling on it all morning as you're coming up the stairs, the elevator. It's been in the back of your mind even as you sat down because it's something huge that you're, you're wrestling with. Others, you might have to think it a little bit, but, but what is the biggest worry and what is the biggest struggle? And Jesus says, take that and stop worrying about it. He says, let not your heart be troubled. There, there's this, this idea, hey, it's, it's kind of on you. You have to let not, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't worry. And then he goes and he says, why? He says, because you need to believe in me, believe in God, believe also in me. Now he's not talking about believing as in like, yes, I believe there's a God or that I believe that Jesus is God. It's this idea of trust that, that God, I, I trust you. I believe in you so much that I, I will take all of my worries. I'll take all of my struggle. I'll take everything I've got and I'm going to trust you with it. And then Jesus says this, believe in God, believe also in me. And he says, you know what? There's a place that's, that's the end for you. And it, it, it's my father's house and there's lots of rooms. And I'm going, myself, Jesus, I'm going and I'm gonna prepare a place for you. I've got, I've got a special place where you're gonna spend eternity. It's with me, it's with the father, it's called heaven, it's gonna be amazing. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go prepare it and I'm gonna come back and get you. And that's where it ends. So take your, your greatest struggle and look at it and go, okay, we've got, we've got 80 years of it. Maybe it's an illness that you were born with that won't go away until you leave this earth. It's there with you from, from when you were born to, to the end of this life. And what Jesus says is that, I know that, that's tough, but don't let your heart be troubled because it's 80 years. 80 years seems like a long time when you're living year to year, but it's 80 years. Take that 80 years and think about eternity for a minute. Let your mind rest in what forever means. From when you pass away and leave this earth until what our brain can't even fathom because our brain is finite and we're talking about the infinite. For eternity, forever, there's a place and you're gonna be with me. So when you consider 
where you're going. When you know where it makes all the difference in the world, Jesus says you can take these troubles and yeah, they're, they're difficult. But what are they in the light of forever? Some of, some of us have came in and you've got, you've got some bitterness in your heart. You've got some hurt. And if we sat down and we talked about it, no one would trivialize it because it's some big things. I mean, it, so there, there, somebody might have come in and, and you were partners with somebody and you built a business and they stole it out from under you and, and left you with nothing. And you, I mean, you're angry, rightfully so. And no one's trivializing that. No one's saying, no, it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. You might have, as a young person or even an adult, you might have suffered something as traumatic as sexual abuse or something like that. And, it's, and you spent time in counseling trying to work through some of these hurts and these pains and it still comes back into your life from time to time and you have the memories and you go, why am I still wrestling with it? No one's trivializing it. No one's saying that's not a big deal. You might have had a best friend that betrayed you, stabbed you in the back and walked out and you're, you're angry about it. And that the hurt, the scars are still there. Not saying that doesn't matter. But what Jesus says is take, take the very worst. And it's bad, but it's bad for 80 years. You're gonna have to walk through the journey. It's gonna be difficult. But no, remember, keep your eyes focused that there is a, a place that's better and you know where you're going. And when you know where you're going, it makes all the difference in the world. When you go, I just can't, I, I just can't forgive this person for what they've done. When, when we're able to go, but you know what? All the things that I've done, it may not have been as bad as that, but all the things I've done have been pretty bad. And Jesus is going to wipe that away and, and I'm gonna be eternity with him forever. That ought to be a game changer for us. It ought to change our perspective on the way that we see the world because we know what the end holds. And it affects how, not just, not just how we think, but how we live. I love that. He says, I've got this place for you and I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna come back and, and take you there. So what is it? Maybe God's, maybe God's been calling you to, to talk about Jesus with somebody in your family. And you're, you're scared by it. I mean, it's like, because you don't know what the conversation is going to hold. And, and every time you start thinking about this is the moment, I'm going to talk to him about <coughs> the Lord and, and share what Jesus did in my life. Satan starts whispering here and you start getting nervous and you start sweating and, and the conversation changes and, and you end up going, well, you ought to try church sometime. And you're like, whew, that's as good as I guess. You know, I, couldn't talk to you. I, said, I said church, that's almost like saying Jesus. But I mean, and, and, you're, like, and, you're, like, you know, and you're fearful, scary, get it? We've all been there. 80 years, in light of eternity. Let's just say the person laughs at you. Let's say the person says, you know what? You can believe in Jesus, I don't. I think you're the stupidest person I've ever met for believing in Jesus. You know, he's a myth, he wasn't even real. You must be an idiot. I mean, I love you anyway, but you're an idiot. Please don't ask me to do anything important in your life or vice versa, because you're just, the worst things they could say to you or whatever, I don't know what the, what, how bad it could be, but how bad it is. In 80 years, it's done. You're in eternity with Jesus. Is it really that hard knowing that? To say, I don't care what they think. I don't care what they think for the next couple of decades. <laughs> Let's be honest. We don't have 80 years at this point, right? Yeah, we don't. I mean, you know, we got 40. You know, that's what we're aiming for. You know, so, so for the next 40 years, it, it, is it that big of a deal that, that, that somebody might laugh at me, somebody might not like me. Maybe God's calling you something big. Maybe, it's, maybe God's been calling you to make a, a financial contribution to the kingdom. And you, you've wrestled with it. 
And God's kind of placed on your heart, man, you need to, you need to be involved in this ministry. Or may, for some of us, it may be God's, God's called to tithe. I just got done talking about money with our students. And man, we had, we had a good time talking about that. The expectation that God has. You know, I hear people say all the time, this is just free, you don't have to pay for this, not in my notes. They go, hey, you know, the idea of the tithe, they go, that's Old Testament. You know, the New Testament just says, hey, give generously. Well, you know, in, in uh, Luke chapter 11, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to these religious leaders. And he says, you tithe your mint and you tithe your rue and you, try, you, you, you tithe your herbs. And he says, but, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, but, but you're a jerk, you don't love people. And he says, you should have done this without the neglect of the other. And when we read that passage, we get the main point. Jesus is talking to religious leaders who are, who are playing the religious game. They're, they're checking the list. They're checking the boxes of religion, but they don't love God. They don't love people. And Jesus says, you got to love people. You can't just be a jerk. You gotta, if, if you really are a lover of God, you're going to love people. But what we read over is Jesus says this after he talks to these religious leaders who are tithing of their herbs and their mint and their rue, which I don't even know what rue is, but their time. Jesus says, this you should do. Not to neglect the other. Jesus himself looked at people of faith and said, you should tithe. So think through that. Maybe God's called you to that. And it's been a struggle. You go, man, I don't know how I'm gonna do that. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to change the way our lifestyle lives. And it's gonna get very uncomfortable for a while. It might for 80 years, for 40 years. But in light of eternity of what God has, ha, has put for us, maybe you just look at your 10%, maybe you just go, hey, because of that, I've got this apparently incredible mansion type thing. It's, it's a room that Jesus himself prepared. Maybe you just count your tithe as part of your down payment on your future mortgage. I don't know, but there, there it is. It's out there. And because this is where I'm going, it changes everything about now. When I know where I'm going, it changes everything everything. So I want to give you a couple of things, some very practical things. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you some practical, like big picture things. I'm even going to give you some, some small things. But here's the first thing. We've got to understand what the journey looks like from the big picture. We know where it ends, but what does this journey from where we are to where we're going, where's, what does it look like from the big picture? If you think about traveling, we're talking about this journey. You might have a GPS, and you might rely on that GPS and you punch in the address of where you're going and, and man, you just follow wherever that lady tells you to go. You know, and just, she says, turn left, you turn left. The wise person still gets kind of a bigger picture of where they're headed. A couple of years back, well, it's been several years now, we were about to start a worship service that we were calling Text 3. It was gonna be a Sunday night contemporary service. It's kind of what we do now at 11 o'clock. But as we were doing that, we were gonna go to a, a, a church called Gateway to kind of talk to them about what, how they do worship. And I got really excited about it because Gateway is down in North Austin. The pastor's a guy named John Burke. He wrote a book called No Perfect People Allowed. And, and their idea is, they're like, hey, we want, we want lawyers that make $200,000 a year sitting next to a guy that may be homeless walking on the street. We're all, we're all about Jesus together. We don't, we, no perfect people. We're all broken. We're all sinners. And I was like, man, I, I, love, I love what they're doing at Gateway. And I knew they were growing, blowing up. I, I knew a guy that was on staff there. And so um, we're going to go for the day. And so we're leaving at like, like 11 o'clock in the morning. So I tell Amanda, I said, hey, we're gonna go to Gateway. So I'll probably be home. We'll probably talk, you know, maybe two or three hours there. I'll be back by about five. So we get in the van and church van and we start, we head down, down 29 and we hang a left to go north on I-35. And like, I'm in the back of the van. I'm like, oh, uh, guys, 
Gateway South, it's like off McNeil. It's in Austin. And they go, no, 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 we're going to the Gateway in Dallas. Called my wife. I was like, I'm not going to be home for dinner. Uh, (laughs) At this point, it's not going to happen. Knowing the big picture, I, I, I couldn't drive from here to either gateway without him. But I knew, hey, at least this is what it looks like. It's this direction. And so we, we've got to have this big picture. If we are going to be kingdom people, if we are kingdom people, we've got a citizenship in heaven where it is, we at least need to know what that kind of looks like, right? Jesus said, and we call it the Lord's Prayer, as he prayed, he said, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so I need to be able to even, I know this is where I'm going and it changes everything, but part of that changing everything is I know what, it, what the kingdom is gonna look like I need to and I need to be able to kind of interpret that here. Even if I don't know all of the details, here's what it looks like. Here's what kingdom living looks like. Here's what my future there, looks. here's how it translates here. We gotta kind of have this big picture and we can't just wander around. So getting a little bit deeper in the practicality. This may not work for all of you, but some, I'll tell you something that would be good for you to figure out some way along the way to give yourself a, a survey of the Old Testament, a survey of the New Testament, to be able to look at, at, at Genesis to Revelation. Now I'm talking about knowing the Bible verse by verse from Genesis to Revelation, but, but what, is the, what is the major themes of the story as God unpacked from the beginning of time to the end of time? Because when I, when I see what's happened in God's people through time, it helps me understand the journey to where I'm going. So I get the big picture. For example, if you read through the Old Testament, we're introduced to the Israelites, God's people. And I look at it and I read through it and I just, like, I'll be honest. I, I, I kind of judge them. I like shake my head because I'm like, these people, like, I mean, they, they go from God, we love you. And God did a miracle and, you know, he parted a sea and they walked across it and they experienced that. And then the next thing you know, they're like complaining and mad at God. And, they, and, and then God comes in and, and chastises them. Maybe some bad things happen, he allows some discipline. But then God does some other miracle. They got to witness and they're like, oh, we love God. And then two chapters later, they're like, there's a golden calf. Let's go worship it. And I'm like, these people are the flakiest people on the planet. I mean, they're just love God, hate God, love God, love idols, love God, hate God, love God, love idols. I mean, they're just, and I'm like, man, it's shaking my head. And then it's like when doing that, it's like the Holy Spirit goes, yeah, but you gotta understand that up and down was over several generations. Your up and down has happened this week. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. But I'm able to look at the big picture and see how God's people have responded to him and walked with him through history. And then because I have that big picture of what it looks like, I'm able to understand, well, you know what? Maybe this thing that I'm frustrated about, maybe it's God's discipline in my life because I'm down and not up. Kind of that big picture. Knowing verse by verse important? Absolutely. But if we know where we're going here, we need to be able to ask, what does the kingdom look like? What does it look like to be a citizen of another place? And how does that translate here? So that I can make sure that I haven't headed north when I'm supposed to be heading south. Does that make sense? Now I'm not heading to Gateway Dallas when I'm supposed to be going to Gateway. I got the bigger picture. I, I, I got a, a master view of God's plan. Here's the second thing. First thing was understand what the journey looks like from the big picture. The second thing is this. We got to prepare for the journey. You're not going someplace, hopefully, that's a long journey, and this is a long journey. Even if we have 40 or 50 years left, that's a long journey. You're not going anywhere without preparing. You're not gonna take an overnight trip without, I mean, so granted, a, a couple of our junior hires took an overnight trip without 
bringing sleeping bags or bedding. So, but I mean, they're junior hires and Marshall. Um, <laughs> sorry, you walked in. I wouldn't even said it if I hadn't just seen you. But I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm like, I, my group went out early to this winter's retreat and we start you know, spraying areas with, with chalk for games we're gonna do and putting uh, maps up on dorms and things like that. And so the other adults that are loading everybody, bringing them, I get this, this uh, call and they said, hey, one of our va- cars is gonna leave behind because we're waiting on a couple of sleeping bags to get here. And I'm like, I, this is literally how it happened. I'm like, who doesn't read the what to bring list and pack the sleeping bag? I was judging some of y'all, I know. And I kid you not, I'm gonna call it the Holy Spirit. I don't know, but I mean, as soon as I thought that, I'm like, it's on the, it's on the what to bring list. It's on the yap. It's, it's all over the place. I think it was the Holy Spirit that went, hey, where's your pillow? And I went, oh, it's at home. Okay, good. I wasn't really prepared for the journey myself either, you know? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a lunch with our sixth grade lead ministers. I, I, I try to take our, our lead ministers out and just spend some time with them. And um, it's Philip and Robin Newman. And we usually meet at Wasabi here in town. And so I had a meeting and I'm running out to Wasabi and uh, I get in my car and I'm about to head there because I'm supposed to meet them. And I, I'm just out of meeting, so I'm, I'm gonna be there right on time but not a few minutes late. And I jump in and, and I buy them lunch and I, and I look and I'm like, ah, where's my wallet? I can't find it. So I, I run in back inside because I think I've left it in my office. It's like not in my office. I'm like, oh great, this is embarrassing. I'm gonna have to go get in the car. I'm gonna have to drive to Wasabi and say, hey guys, thanks for meeting me. Um, I need you to buy. Thanks for joining me for lunch, you know. And that's why I said, like, give me the receipt, I'll pay for it. And so, so I go, also, I get in the car and as I'm headed there, I've had some of this electrical stuff in my car. I realize my gas tank is on E. And I'm thinking, well, the light hasn't come on, but then I'm thinking, I don't even know the light will come on with these things that have been happening, you know. And so, so I drive to Wasabi, not a long journey, it's a short journey to meet my friends that I've invited to lunch to bless them. And I walked out going, hey, can you pay the bill? And can I borrow 20 bucks so I can get back to church? That's a true story. <laughs> Luckily, they are good friends. And they were like, yeah, how much do you need? And, and uh, I mean, but not preparing. When you don't prepare for the journey, boy, you just, you know, it's just not good. We know where we're going. It affects who we are and how we live today. We have this big picture, making sure we're, we're kind of in the bounds of kingdom living and what it looks like. We also need to start preparing details. If I'm going to be, what does that look like now? How does it change the way I live? Because it should. Those, those details come through spiritual disciplines. They come through reading the scripture. They come through praying. That's how we begin to, to really drill down deep and understand what it means to live as a kingdom, live as a citizen of the kingdom that I'm a part of and that I'm going to end at and that my eternity forever is gonna be at. And so we start figuring that out. Now there's a lot of spiritual disciplines you can do. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If, if the Holy Spirit's kind of wrestling with you, maybe about a spiritual discipline, about Bible reading, about fasting, about you know, any of these spiritual disciplines, run and do that. But if you're going, okay, I need to practice, here's an easy one. Scripture memory. This week, if we want to be practical, we want to walk out of here doing something, not just hearing something. I'm going to ask you and to lead your family in memorizing the, the verse that we're, we're tagging to this series, 2 Timothy 4, 7. There, that's, that, that's just a beginning practice. It's a beginning discipline. It's a beginning preparation for the journey for the next several years here to take 2 Timothy 4, 7, commit it to memory so that years down the road in the journey, it's there. And who knows what happens to your life that God brings that back to you. That's a very simple discipline. Very simple. It's not the last one. It's not the only one, but it's a simple one. It's an overarching principle 
We prepare for the journey. I'm just giving you one idea, but there's a bunch of different ideas you can do. But prepare. Don't be, don't be headed to the journey. Show up at the end and be the guy that looks at God and go, can I borrow 20 bucks and you're gonna have to pay for dinner because I wasn't prepared. I'm here, but I kind of wasted all of my time before. Here's the third thing. And keep your eye on the destination. That's where we're going. I keep pointing this way because I'm picturing heaven here, the end of the timeline for me. This is where we're going. Keep your eye on the destination. When you're making decisions in life, when you're trying to figure out how to parent, when you're, when you're talking about career and stuff, at the end of the day, this, this is where it all ends. This is what it's gonna be like. I'm living here. So how did, what does that mean now? We keep our eyes on it. Here's what happens. You, you will have a thousand things this week that come up that try to take your eyes off of where you're headed. Bills, dogs in your neighbor's backyard that wake you up in the morning, bosses that don't get it, employees that don't get it, all kinds of things that, that, that help, that, that distract us. That, hey, there's an end. And when I know where I'm headed and when I know where it ends up, everything else changes in light of that or it should. Bob Goff wrote a book called Love Does. Um, have not read it, but it's, it's one of these books that, that all, everybody's talking about how good it is. And he tells this story, about he made a decision. There's this biannual or semi-annual race um, that's called the Transpac race. And it goes from Los Angeles. It's a sail, sailing race from Los Angeles to Oahu. And it was one of his dreams. He said, man, I, I want to do that. And, but he's not a sailor. Hadn't ever sailed. And I mean, he said, I, I, I am I'm less than a novice. He had a group of guys, it wasn't just him, a group of guys, and they all said, hey, let's do this, this race. It'll be a cool thing. So they get the supplies, they, they get in their sailboat, this 35-foot sailboat, I think he said, and they, they head out. I think he said it was a 16-day journey from L.A. to Oahu. And, and just out on the ocean, just some guys and communing with God and doing something they'd never done before. And he said as they were getting close to the end of the journey, he said it was, it was perfect because they were, they were all out of supplies. They'd finished up their last food. And he said, it was like for them, two or three o'clock in the morning as they're coming into the, the harbor there at Oahu. And there's a guy who has been a part of this Transpac race since it started. And his job is he announces every boat when it comes in. It doesn't matter what time it is. If it's 11 o'clock in the morning, if it's two o'clock in the morning, if it's eight o'clock at night, that's his job. And as he's passionate about it, and as the boats come into harbor, he gets on the loudspeaker and he announces the boat and he announces every person's name that made the journey. And Bob Goff says, we came in after 16 days of, of some difficulty, but you know, you're, you're also kind of tired and you're exhausted, but you have this feeling as you're coming through. He said, to hear my name was awesome. He said, but you know what else? He didn't, he didn't worry about who I was as a sailor. He didn't say, well, here comes Bob Goff and we're just glad he's here because he didn't have a clue what he was doing. You know what I mean? He said, I was just a part, I was a part of the bigger group. As I came in, he said my name, he said everybody's, and then he said this, and it's his traditional saying as a boat comes in. He says, friends, it's been a long trip. Welcome home. And he said, that moment I got emotional. Emotional because of the journey we'd been on, but emotional because I realized that I'm on a greater journey and I know where it ends. And at some point, we're gonna stand before the throne of God and he's gonna say, friend, it's been a long trip, but welcome home.
knowing that moment's coming, ought to change everything that we do. What I'm going to ask you to do is this. I don't have the yap questions done. So I'm going to give you just this, this one question discussing your small group. So what for you? What, what does this idea that knowing where you're going makes all the difference in the world, how does that apply to your life in the real world? Not from the stage and the theoretical in my stories. How does it apply to your story individually as a believer, if you're a believer, and as a parent? How does it matter for you as a parent as you're discipling your teenagers that are gonna go home with you today?